Welcome to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My name is Jonathan Edwards, and I serve as a pastor at the Grace Brethren Chapel located in Northwest Ohio. The goal of this podcast is to teach God's truth and how to apply it accurately to one's life so that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed as you contemplate God's word. Greetings, saints and fellow bond slaves of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me again today on the podcast. And today I have the opportunity to interview probably the most special guest I will ever have on this podcast, the most esteemed guest, regardless of any titles that may come after her name. It is my beloved wife, Meredith. Thank you for joining me today, Meredith. Wow, that was a really nice introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, well, Meredith, it's a, thank you for coming on and talking about this. I think that when I look at our marriage, I think that we do a lot of things well. We also have things that we could improve on, mm-hmm. as every couple does. But what I wanted to do in this particular episode is share some of the things that we have learned from the scriptures and we have learned how to implement in our lives that has allowed us to have a, a marriage that is relatively peaceable mm-hmm. and very fulfilling. I mean, I think that we don't have a lot of conflict. We don't have a lot of arguments. And it's it's due to the fact that we put biblical principles into practice in very easy to understand and basic ways in our relationship. And I think that really makes a difference. And I think every couple should be striving for this. In fact, you know, we've done a lot of premarital counseling together for couples. Mm -hmm. And the things that we're going to talk about today are the very things that we talk to those couples about. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So today we've got five things, or I'm sorry, four things that we are going to share with you four principles that will help you in your relationship to make your marriage easier work than it is. It's work, but it can be easier work. And the first principle that we have to look at is to make Christ the priority and submit to his commands. I remember, Meredith, when we were dating, this is something that we talked about a lot. I grew up in a Christian home, and you got saved in college. Right. And I think that we both had a desire as Christians to want to honor Christ first in our lives, and we weren't sure how to do that necessarily in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It was the first time we've ever, well, you were my first boyfriend. And and you were only my second girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I had dated somebody for like three months before that, Mm -hmm. and I actually broke up with her because I didn't feel like she wanted to follow Christ in the same way that I did. Mm -hmm. Well, and I had learned that you know, wow, when you first get saved, you're just like overwhelmed by Christ's love for you and you want to do so many things to honor him. You're on fire. And so I'd watched Christian couples through um, that mentorship time in my life and I thought, I want that. I want to have a marriage where Christ is at the center. So because we came from it from that perspective, it guided our conversations. I remember for me that I knew I knew that you made Christ a priority when we were at your grandmother's house on the farm. Mm-hmm. And I told you that I felt like God was calling me to be a missionary in China. And you were like, I'm good with that. Was that before or after I told you I wanted to be Amish? <laughs> Might have been. <laughs> Maybe after. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> but yes, when you said but, but, you were going to be a missionary in China, I thought I was, I was in grad school at the time. Right. And I was going right. to work my way up to be um, like a dean of students. Right. I just kept going. I thought, you know, why not? And that sort of changed things when you said, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about me being a missionary in this far off, you know, place of oppression. 
would you be ever interested in joining me? And immediately I thought, sure. I, I know. And to me, when you said that, that was like a green light to move ahead in our relationship because that showed me that you were prioritizing Christ and his commands for you as a woman mm-hmm. over your own career ambitions. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like a, okay, we can move forward with this now. We can we can make a relationship work if we're going to both be submissive to Christ. Like if if your response would have been something like, well, I think that's good for you, but I'm just not sure I'm I'm cut out for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we'd be here today. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that everybody has to have that kind of moment to get to that point where they realize that Christ is the the highest authority in their relationship. But there should be something that you can point to in your relationship where you're saying, I'm choosing to follow Christ. I'm choosing to obey Christ more than I'm choosing to love my spouse or I'm choosing to love mm-hmm. my children or I'm choosing to love the things of this world. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you look at people who come into your life, especially your spouse, and you think, okay, there's a purpose and reason why I've met this man and he's bigger and greater than, you know, uh, a career that I could see in my future. And it's true. Like what I get to do now as a mom and a wife and all the things, it's so much more fulfilling than what I could have done uh, with my master's degree. And I'm grateful that I was willing to make that choice. I, I, I am too, to be real honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of couples... And, and maybe it's especially women, but I don't, I don't want to like just criticize women. I don't, I'm not trying to do that. I think a lot of Christian couples struggle to not make children the priority of their relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the big things because we see so many things in our culture cater to children. You have mm-hmm. like sports schedules, you have arts schedules, whether it's dance or music or theater or whatever that might be. Um, there's education. Obviously, we know children are expensive to raise and I think that a lot of even Christian families, a lot of well-meaning Christian families don't have the ability to say no to their children in order to prioritize Christ in their relationship. Mm-hmm. What has been your experience with that? How do you think through that as a, as a mom? It is hard, especially when you are involved with your children's lives in such a, a deep way. Being a mom who also homeschools, you're not only catering to your children in meals and housework and, you know, just a general relationship, but you're also their teacher and their mentor and all of that. And so I do spend a lot of time with our children, but yet I also know they are, they're not my, my husband. They are created from God. They are his through us. And it's a privilege to be their mother. But ultimately, it's a short time that I have them in my care and in our care. And I, I just see it as, you know, they're precious beyond measure for us. But yet, you know, my relationship with you is the picture you have in the Bible where Christ, you know, models his love toward the church. I mean, it talks much more about the relationship of marriage in scripture than it does about um, mother and mother children. and child. Yeah. And you just have to keep that in perspective, no matter the hours that you spend. Cause I certainly spend more time during the day with my children than I do with you. Absolutely. But that doesn't negate the fact that my relationship with you is, is above them. And I think that your commitment to Christ 
helps you to have that kind of perspective where it's like, I know I have to dedicate all these hours to raising and nurturing children. That's the calling that God has called you to as a mom. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're not trying to sacrifice our relationship in some way, shape, or form to, to do what you want to do with the children. You're, you're making sure that there's appropriate boundaries set. And every now and then, you know, we both fail. We, we cross the line of boundaries and we have to have a reset. But if that's something that's, that's going on in your marriage where children become the priority, or if we, let's say you're not, you don't have children. Let's say it's a hobby or a vacation that you want to pursue or some kind of personal fulfillment or whatever that might be. Any of these things are not wrong in and of themselves, but when they take the place of Christ mm -hmm. in your relationship, when you begin to serve them more than Christ in your relationship, mm -hmm. that's that becomes a real problem. And, and really, it's a sin problem that needs to be confessed and repented from. Mm -hmm. So I think that as I examine our relationship, obviously, we can always do better. But I think that one thing that has been very obvious to us is that we've made Christ and submission to his authority a central part of our own relationship. Mm -hmm. I agree. In conjunction with that, like a coordinating idea with that is that we have both adopted the attitude of Christ when it comes to how we relate to one another. And I would say that this is manifest in the verses that Paul um, commands the Philippian church in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, when he says this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So the second habit or the second principle that I would say that we have done well to make marriage work easier is to put the interests of your spouse above your own. Mm -hmm. and, and Paul writes this in the context of the local church so that the local church will look to one another and say, hey, I'm going to put the interests of all these different people ahead of my own and, and when that happens, it creates a sense of unity and a willingness to be humble and a desire to see Christ exalted versus your own interests exalted. I will say this. I think that when you put your spouse's interests above your own, you don't get to do everything that you want to do. Mm -hmm. But when you do get to do those things that you enjoy, it really works out better because you feel like it's well-deserved or it's well-earned. Like there's no selfishness. There's no bitterness. There's mm -hmm. no, there's nothing like that mm -hmm. when both spouses are actually putting the interests of one another ahead of their own. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, in marriage, you want to strive toward valuing the use of each other's time. I know you trust the use of my time and how I use it during the day when we're not together. And I trust and uh, value the use of the time that you use and how you spend it. And so in that way, if there's things that we want to explore and interests outside of one another, it's simple. It's easier just to say, hey, I'm, I'd like to, you know, pursue something different that you may not be interested in. But because you know that I, again, I use my time wisely as best I can, that you, you say, okay, Meredith. I value that for you. I think that's great. One example, I decided I wanted to play violin. Never played violin in my life. And I came to you and... But you're doing it along with our son, With Levi. our son, right. Yep. He started last summer. And in November, I came to you and I said, hey, 
I think I'd like to buy a violin, an adult size, and to, to start playing in my 40s. And you're like, cool. And so there's things like that where I just appreciate that you give the freedom of, you know, helping me put interests um, forward. And I don't ever shy away from asking you those things because, again, I, I trust your judgment and you know how I use my time and same. You'll do things that I may not be interested in, but yet you are. And I think that's great. You know, we both give each other the freedoms. Yeah, we don't have to have, we don't have to have like the exact same interests. Um, but what I think is really important is that when you recognize that your spouse has an interest that's different than you, that you do things through communication and through time management mm -hmm. that enable you both to be able to pursue the interests that you like. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that is really important if you're going to put the interests of your spouse ahead of your own is talking about everything. Yes. And we actually have a shared calendar that helps us understand like when time has been committed for various things. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy hunting. I enjoy fitness. I enjoy golf. Uh, those are some hobbies that I have outside of work. And one of the things that I'll do is I'll say, Hey, here's the days that I'm really committed to going hunting because like these are key dates in the season. And I'll say to you, like, do you have anything on these calendar dates? Mm -hmm. And if you say no, and I say, can I put hunting on that calendar date? Then, you know, you give me the permission to do that. And I do that and I can, I can go and you're not going to hold it against me. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I also say, Hey, what are the chores or what are the projects that you really want to have done? Mm -hmm. And I try to, I try to bank those things up and make sure that I'm taking care of the things that you think are a priority around the household so that you're not sitting there at home thinking he could be fixing my whatever right now, instead of sitting in a tree stand trying to shoot a deer. Mm -hmm. And, and so when you're thinking about putting other people's interests ahead of your own, you clearly have to give up some of your own time to do that. But you then, when you get to pursue your own interest, your spouse is okay with that. And you just have like a much more free conscience to do that. Yeah. Just going back to the violin example, I came to you with um, <clears throat> ideas for how much it would cost and what this is going to look like and um, just details. Um, I also work a little bit outside the home as a childbirth doula. And I always talk to you every time before I'm approached by a client when they're due what else we have going on around the time that they're due. And you allow me that freedom to pursue the interest that I have in, in, in doula work. And also I allow you to be a part of it because we, we literally talk through every choice that's going to affect both of us. You give me that freedom and I appreciate that so much, Jonathan. And I know you appreciate the same when you're going and doing things that again, may not interest me, but again, it's that freedom. It's that valuing of each other's time. I know you're a hard worker mm -hmm. and I try to work really hard as well. So that helps immensely. It when does. You, it does. You know, just knowing that about each other, we trust each other that way with our time. Right. So let's move this conversation about putting others' interests out. Let's move it from like hobbies or things that we pursue maybe outside of the home to things inside of the home. For example, you, since early on in our marriage, well, maybe, maybe two or three years into our marriage, our first few years of marriage, we were so poor, we could, we could <laughs> just barely afford to buy any kind of groceries. But once we started to have a little bit of like 
money that would allow us to buy a higher quality of grocery, Mm -hmm. one of your priorities and one of your interests has been healthy eating. Yeah. And so you prioritized spending more money on food Mm -hmm. versus spending more money on maybe personal care or decorations or vacations. Like you'd rather eat well throughout the year than save um, a few hundred dollars a month and go on a more elaborate vacation. It's true. And, And so... We've had a lot of discussions about that over the years. So I just want you to see that, or I want people to see that it's not just in terms of like hobbies that you put somebody else's interest mm-hmm. ahead of your own. It's, it also goes to like, well, how do you want to cook? How do you want to feed our family? Mm-hmm. And why do you prioritize that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, you know, we've, we've talked about that. To me, I value good food, good produce. I like to buy some organic things. And, you know, for me, that's really important because it's healthier for our bodies. And I try to, you know, teach our children that even in our hours we spend in school and whatnot for snacks. And, and I appreciate that you are okay with that. Now, if there's a time when we have financial restraint, you know, um, we, we, you know, I'm willing to give up the organic celery, but. But it tastes really good. (laughs) It does taste good. If you haven't tried organic celery, it's worth the extra dollar (laughs) fifty. But, you know, I just think that just, it means so much to me that, you know, I do most of the grocery shopping. I do most of the cooking. And so you, you give me that realm and, you know, we have conversations like what's our budget this month? And is, is it still good that I can get what I want to get mm-hmm. for our family? And, and I think, you know, that, that goes to everything too. Like I have things that I prioritize. Like I prefer to buy a high quality of clothing. Yes. So like I'm a thrift store shopper and you are not. Well, I do thrift. (laughs) I just thrift on new items that are on sale. Yes. But I, you're an eBayer. Right. I have to wear, I wear dress clothes every day for my work. So I want clothes that look really nice. And if I buy higher quality clothes that are used, they tend to last longer than Mm -hmm. lower quality clothing. Yes. So I spend a little bit more money on my clothing than you do, which most families will be like, that's just- I, yes, <laughs> you definitely, but you also say buy well, buy once, or is it the other way? Buy no, once, yes. buy well, buy well, buy once. Buy well, buy once, yeah. Um, and that has taught me a lot because I I kind of have always you've, gone for the deal. You've rebought some things. I have. A few times And in you've our taught me that, you know, your interest in quality clothing has actually been really good for me. Um, so you never know, like by putting one another's interest and allowing them, allowing your spouse to explore their interest and pursue it, you might be surprised at how much you find um, that you can learn from them. Yeah. yeah. And and I, you know, since being married to you, I I think twice before I buy something that, yeah, maybe it's only ninety nine cents, but is it really that worth it? Right. You know, I should just go buy something that's. My favorite um, going to last me much longer. My favorite example of this from our marriage marriage days, early in our marriage, you bought like the cheapest mascara you could find at Walmart. Yeah. And you used it like two times and it dried up. Yeah. Then you had to go back and rebuy like a, a higher quality mascara. So if you'd have spent two more dollars right from the very beginning, yes. you would have saved whatever the cost of that cheap mascara was. Or the was. time I brought home a, it was a black sweater with sequins on it from Goodwill for Christmas Eve service. This was probably 2008, oh 2009. My. And I brought it home and I said, look what I'm going to wear for Christmas Eve. It was only like $1.88. And you said, 
that looks like something a grandma would wear at a carnival cruise. We are not going to have this. I was like, oh, and I thought, well, I'll find something else. And then you went out and bought me a new shirt. I did. With a lady at our church who's really great at clothing. Great and taste. Like, that was so nice. And, and how I, long did that new shirt last you? A long time. That's right. Yes. Yeah. A long time. So, so I think these are just some examples to help you see that you need to apply this truth of putting the interests of your spouse above your own in a lot of different areas in your marriage. And you can see how it applies to hobbies. You can see how it applies to finances. You can see how it applies to communication. I've counseled people and I've said to them, like, look, uh, you know, so-and-so, I'm talking to the husband. Look, Mr. Husband, you know that your wife values when you sit and listen to her for 30 or 45 minutes every day. You may not find that to be the most fulfilling use of your time just because men don't, that's not how men mm-hmm. relate. Men right. don't relate with conversation. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, it's wrong for a wife to talk like that. But if you know that your wife values that kind of conversation and that's what makes her close to you, then you should prioritize making the effort to put aside 30 or 45 minutes every single day so that you can listen to your wife and hear the things that she has to tell you about her day. You may be fine just saying, hey, my day was great. My day was fine. Mm -hmm. But she may need to tell you a lot more. And that's individual. You don't know. I mean, I don't know what everybody's relationship is like. But that's just another example of how you can put your own, your spouse's interests ahead of your own. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, along with putting your spouse's interests ahead of your own and making Christ the priority and submitting to his commands, we're going to move to a slightly, can I say less biblical principle? (laughs) But I think it's still important. It's number three, which is develop the ability to laugh at yourself. So this is the the third habit. Develop the ability to laugh at yourself. Mm -hmm. Dumb and embarrassing things will happen in a relationship. Yes. They will happen in any context of life. In any context of life. It's especially funny when it's with someone you know so well. Right. Well, as I was writing these points out to, to guide our discussion today, I thought, you know, if you've only been dating somebody for like three months and something really embarrassing happens to you, like you don't have a lot of context of time in that relationship for them to know like, oh, that's just one small moment of time. Mm -hmm. So I think the dumb and embarrassing things that we do in life, just they happen to us. I think the less time you have together in your relationship, the bigger of a deal that they seem. Mm -hmm. However, maturity in, in your own personality, maturity in Christ, maturity and understanding how the world works will allow you to laugh more and more at the dumb and embarrassing things because you just realize that it's it's just a moment of life. It is. And and everybody has them, so you might as well laugh at them instead of become frustrated or angry or let them be some source of resentment or bitterness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important not to take each other too seriously in those in those times where you know, you you just you're living life together. And so you see it all. Right. And when things happen that um, befuddle your day and, you know, you just have to laugh about it. And it's great when your spouse is the same way. Like, I appreciate that you have a really good sense of humor. You're very witty. You make me laugh. Um, I, I will do something I don't realize I'm doing. And you'll, <laughs> you know, it, make it, a comment that just like it when you can make a, a witty comment. <laughs> Not only does it make the person not feel so bad that they did something dumb, mm-hmm. but it also kind of lightens the mood and lets them know like, hey, it's okay that you made that mistake. 
Yeah. You yeah. know, laughter helps people know, like, it's okay that you made that mistake. Yes. And it's also, I mean, a little bit more in the children here than the two of us, but to see your children can witness the two of you uh, work together like that. Right. Is, is also right. a really good example for them. I don't, you know, want them to leave our home with, like, impossible expectations of, of people. Right. Because that's impossible. So it's good to just look at things sometimes from a glass half full perspective and to laugh with each other and sometimes laughing at each other. And that's okay in marriage because you know each other so well. Exactly. You're not going to do it out of um, deceit or anger. Anger. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a mean girl kind right, of a thing. Exactly. You know, it's just like, oh my, I can't believe that that thing happened. Can you believe that that happened? Yeah. And you, we might as well just laugh I'm, at it. Yeah. And I'm not going to go on social media and post it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just life. So one of the, um, one of the families in our church has a lot of kids. And I remember talking to the dad one time, he was telling me the story at about one of their dinner times and kids just kept knocking over glasses of liquid at dinner time. <laughs> and if you're a parent, you know how frustrating it is when kids just like, they reach for things when instead of asking for it to be passed and then they knock things over. And so it got to the point where like so many glasses were knocked over. At one point, the dad was just like, okay, fine. And he tipped his glass over <laughs> and knocked it over on the table. And all the kids just like burst into laughter. And it was like his way of communicating, okay, accidents happen, you know, we shouldn't have this happening, but it's this just is a just, glass of milk. This is just the kind of day that it's been. And so yes. I'm just going to knock my yeah. glass over too. Yeah. And I thought that was like a very good story to just kind of describe like what we're talking about. Develop the ability to laugh at yourself. It's, it's just mm -hmm. a glass of milk or it's just a glass of water. Now, granted, I've, I've yelled at my kids a number of times for reaching and knocking things over. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to learn not to do that. You have but to have there's responsibility. A there's yes. a balance there, okay? So not everything is a joke, but there are a lot of things that could be funny that we are not willing to allow ourselves to make into a joke. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, when you do start having kids and they start discovering that there are funny noises that the body makes yeah. or funny things especially that the body can do. Especially if you have boys. <laughs> especially if you have boys. <laughs> then you need to just really kind of like, okay, we're just going to laugh at this. Again, teach them that there's an appropriate time and place for that, but allow them to laugh at themselves as well because that's a good quality mm -hmm. that they can take going forward. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it shows the imperfections of the human, um, the human uh, nature, and I think it's just it just makes life much more enjoyable as well when you um, you come at it from a little bit of lightheartedness. Because let's let's be honest, so much happening around us in the world on the news. I mean. Life is heavy. It's even heavier, I think, than when I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think it's really important to model that in marriage with one another to have that, um, you know, that fun persona with each other, the, the relationship of just, you know, having a good time. Yeah. Marriage can yeah. be a great time. It's fun. I think that laughter is such a great tool to diffuse frustration and resentment. Whereas if you become angry over things that are dumb and embarrassing, or if you become angry over things that don't go your way, then it just produces bitterness and it produces strife in a marriage. So laughter is such a good tool to diffuse frustration and resentment. And there are going to be things about your partner that just annoy you no matter what. Mm -hmm. like, like how I always lose my keys. Or stack the dishwasher phone. wrong. 
and all the things and all the, all the little tools you have, like fingernail <laughs> clippers and tweezers, like they're always missing. Right. It's usually my fault. Right. In fact, I was thinking about this today. I asked, I asked the girl, the kids have been wanting to know what to get me for my birthday because my birthday's coming up. Yes. And I said, the I would really three, like three, nine, nine, three, nine, last year of my thirties. So, and I asked them, I said, it'd be lovely to have my own apron that has my name embroidered on it. And I was mm. thinking about that today. And I was like, if I get an apron with my name embroidered on it, Mary's just going to take it from me I, anyways. I probably will just <laughs> use it, but I'm not doing it because I'm trying to be, uh, like I want it so bad. It's just like, it's oh, just, there's the nearest there's, apron there's to my eyeballs. Apron. I'm there's, going to grab it. And so I thought, I'm going to get this apron with my name embroidered on it and I'm never going to wear it. <laughs> So, it's true. It's just, I have, yes, it's true. My dad used to call me easy come, easy go, Meredith. And it it's, I cannot true. get rid of that disease. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I, we are opposite in that way for we are, sure. We are. Well, I, you know what? Again, that's, a, that's a great example of just how to laugh at it. Like it'd be really easy to be really frustrated. Like stop touching my stuff. Stop touching my stuff. <laughs> and sometimes I say that. Yes. But most of the you time, you can say I'm it a lot like, if you really want but most, to. Most of the time, it's just like, whatever. I'm just going to deal because life is too short to be mad about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. And, and that, I make you, I try to make you really tasty meals with my apron. <laughs> While I'm wearing my apron, I make you tasty meals. So there's always a silver lining. Indeed, there is a silver lining. Um, okay. So, the last thing, and that that's a really good transition into the last habit, which is to ask and grant forgiveness quickly. You Maybe you do a dumb, embarrassing thing, but maybe you sin against your spouse. And this is absolutely going to happen in a marriage because you put two sinners together, even if you're keeping Christ as the center of your relationship, even if you are thinking about like all the ways that you want to honor Christ and put off ungodly habits and put on godly habits— you're still going to sin against one another. And I think that it's very, very important to ask for and grant forgiveness very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't remember where I learned this from, if it was in a book I read or in the advice that somebody gave me. But the advice was basically like, hey, if you know you sinned against somebody, like, Go fix it right now, like within 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Go fix it. It doesn't matter if you're still blazing hot, angry. Just ask for forgiveness when you know you've done wrong mm -hmm. because that is the, the mechanism that God has established to restore relationships. Yeah. And forgiveness, like I said, restores relationships. It brings about reconciliation, and it brings peace quickly. Mm -hmm. But if you don't ask and grant forgiveness— Things fester, they stew, they bitterness. like bitterness. Yeah, bitterness grows. So that's something that we've, I think, we've really tried to model in our relationship. Mm -hmm. I would say too. I mean, in Ephesians four thirty two, which is a verse I quote quite often when our kids are fighting, and there's a sin involved. It's like you know, love one another, be tender hearted, forgiving each other. You know, we have to do that. Yes, it is. It is the. I would say the most important aspect toward the goal of a peaceful home is is forgiveness it's at the heart of that and you in marriage you have to you know we've forgiven each other in front of our children which i think is is important that's you've, a really good point actually I, i've i've asked for forgiveness from our children if i've sinned against them and i know you have, I have too, too. yeah forgiveness should be so easily done in your home it there should never be any question in your home about what to do when sin occurs 
Mm-hmm. Like there should no be no question about that. Like it should be so clear that when sin occurs in the home, the person who sinned goes and asks forgiveness to the one that they sinned against. Mm-hmm. And like you brought up a great point that I didn't even think about modeling forgiveness to your children. Like when I sin against you and the kids see it, I call all the kids into the room mm-hmm. and I'm like, guys, I need to ask forgiveness from your mom because I sinned against her in this way. And then I say, please forgive me for, and then mm-hmm. I name the actual sin. Yeah. And they see that transaction of forgiveness occur between us. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we have then tried to pass on to them. Like, hey, when you sin against your sibling, you need to go and you need to tell them, uh, please forgive me, and then name the specific sin and then let it go. Like mm-hmm. it has Not to be talk done. talk about it again. We don't talk about it again. We don't bring it up anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know some people have a problem with that because it's like, well, what if the person sins against you in the same way over and over again? Mm. Well, you just ask for forgiveness again and you don't yeah. say, even though you did it last week and this is this was terrible and you're right. doing it again. You or know. or I'm not gonna forgive you until you get a better hold of that or something mm. like that. You yeah. know, we you know, we all have we all have as as sinners like habits of sin that we tend to commit more than others. Mm-hmm. Like some people tend to lie more than others. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people tend to gossip more than others. My sin that I've had to really work hard to overcome is to not have outbursts of anger. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people who have outbursts of anger. That's my sin that I have to overcome. And while I'm trying to break the habit of that, I, I'm, I'm still have to, I'm still going to sin that way. Mm-hmm. And even if I've broken the habit and and it's become a rare sin for me, I would say you you do that less and less and less, right? You know, as you mature in Christ, right? And and that's what people need to see is hey, I can grant forgiveness for the same sin over and over again. I'm not going to look at the two-week part of their life where they've just you know, been working on it. I'm going to try to zoom out and look at a one-year span or a two-year span or a five-year span and see, has this gotten better over one year or two years or five years? And I can say for me, mm-hmm. the outbursts of anger have certainly become way under control compared to like when we were we were first married. Mm-hmm. Like if I take the first five years of our marriage and the last five years of our marriage, mm-hmm. we've been married almost 17 years now. Mm-hmm. The first five years wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. The last five years have been a lot, lot better. Mm-hmm. But that that shows your growth and maturity in Christ. But if you, after five years, were like, I'm not forgiving you anymore because it doesn't seem like this is ever going to change, mm-hmm. what would that have done to our relationship? <laughs> I mean, we, all you have to do is literally think about your relationship with Christ and how how much he forgave us, what he forgave us from, and what he did for us, you know, on the cross. I mean, just the, the, the magnitude giant, of that. I and mean, there's no word to, right. d- to describe how much forgiveness we were given. You just have to remind yourself of that. And that in turn helps you to see like, okay, five years in, you're still struggling. Like, okay, so what? I'm going to keep forgiving you mm-hmm. because that is a small act I can do that, I mean, doesn't even compare to what I have been forgiven from. Right. And that's exactly what Jesus taught us to pray. I mean, when he's, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, one of the things that he said we should do is to forgive others just as the Father mm-hmm. forgave us. And we have to remember that the debt that we owe the Father is infinitely greater than the debt that you owe me or mm-hmm. I owe you. Right. And so, yeah, does it hurt to 
grant forgiveness and then the person goes back and commits the same sin, yeah, it hurts. And maybe there are times where you even need to get counseling or accountability to deal with sins that are really habitual and harmful. But by and large, we need to remember that it's our responsibility to forgive in the same way that God has forgiven us. And our the debt that we owe one another is just, it pales in comparison right. to the debt that we owe God. Exactly. We have to keep that godly perspective, that vertical perspective all the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that, again, goes back to habit number one, making Christ the center. Mm-hmm. What did Christ do for me? Well, he, he died on the cross for me, and mm-hmm. God the Father charged all of my sins to his account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I need to then remember that God charged all of your sins to Christ's account, too, and I grant forgiveness based upon that, not based on how I feel. Mm-hmm. Right. I think a lot of people want to, like, I'll forgive you when I feel when ready. When I feel better. When I feel better. Yeah. We've had a lot of times in our marriage where one of us has asked for forgiveness and the other one was like, I don't feel like giving you forgiveness, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it right mm-hmm. now. But it's amazing when when that person whether it's you or me, is the first to reach out the hand. You know, because usually things that you're forgiving each other for, I mean, it's it's usually both of us are at some fault. Every, every, we're, <laughs> so when the first person... No matter how you slice the pie, yeah, it, it's almost always two people who are at it, fault yes. in some degree. And after the first person, you know, reaches out, it just just melts away some of that festering anger or spite and really diffuses the situation and then you know it's much easier than for you know let's say you ask for forgiveness I'm I'm gonna respond you know because it's like okay what are we doing here you know um we can get we can get through this it's it's forgivable it is and I love you more than whatever it is that we're struggling with here Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's you know, I don't know if you wanted to talk about how we used to say. Oh, yeah. The little cue that we used to words, have. little uh, words. We don't do this as much no. anymore. But well, I mean, <laughs> we, we don't have as many. We, we don't have as many big conflicts as we used to. Mm-hmm. We, we really don't. I mean, I'm not trying to say this to boast, but we, we rarely have conflicts. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to have a lot more conflicts, but we've learned to live together. We've learned to be more Christ-like and that has helped us in yeah, a lot and, of ways. Yeah, and that's the goal we that all should goal. have in marriages is to be better every day, right. be more sanctified. But yeah, when we first got, it might have been when we were first dating. When we were dating. Yeah, when uh, we were dating. We had these words where, you know, if it was something I needed to come forward and ask for forgiveness, I would hold my hand down and say, I would reintroduce myself. I would say, hi, Jonathan. I am Moody Meredith. And I would say to you, hi, Meredith, I'm Jerk Jonathan. Yeah. And we would shake hands. Yeah. And like that was, that was our cue that it was like the end of the argument. Mm-hmm. Like we were going to, we had granted the forgiveness. We were, it was basically like a re- relationship reset. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just being reintroduced to you now. We're starting off again. And sometimes we would do that two or three times in a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And, 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 and it's neat because it, it does, you know, it's a, it's a, beginning to the forgiveness, but it also would usually make us laugh. Right. And, right. you know, that also helps yep. in reconciliation. And I know it sounds, it sounds like cheesy or corny or whatever, and you don't have to imitate us exactly, but you can find some little reset, some little trigger that helps you to basically start over your relationship that moment mm-hmm. so that whatever happened before doesn't, continue to affect the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. And that's what that did for us. The handshake, 
was just a reset. And we were like, okay, we're, whatever happened, we're putting that behind us. And now we're going to move forward. Yeah. And it's also fun. We've gone car rides where we're like thinking of other ones like Boastful Betty, Callous Chris. <laughs> now, if your name starts with like Q, I, I'm might at be, a loss. But Might be hard. Might be hard. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you have a name, there's something you Questioning could... Quentin. There you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's something that really helped us, especially in the beginning years of our marriage. Yeah. And I don't, you know, we've kind of grown out of that habit, but it was good for us at the beginning, but we've grown out of the habit because we've just done such a good job of asking and granting forgiveness quickly that it's just, it's just understood. Mm-hmm. It's understood. Like I sinned against you. Please forgive me for those, uh, hurtful words that I said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You're forgiven. Mm-hmm. Now we're I, moving, I we're moving you. on, yeah. you know, we're moving mm-hmm. on. So. All right. Well, Meredith, thank you for, for coming on and, and sharing some of these uh, joys of marriage, the the habits to make marriage work easier. Is there any final comments that you want to say or anything that you want to share with, with people who are listening? Other than, you know, if you are having issues or, you know, struggling with some of these things as we've, we have, you know, as we've mentioned, always seek counsel. There's great people uh, who are ready and willing to help you through things. Marriage counseling is a real thing. and It's a real good thing. It is. Marriage is for life. It should be for life. And sometimes it takes work. Sometimes you need, you know, an objective or outside uh, counsel in, the, in that. And so I just would encourage everybody to really pursue this seriously, but also um, with an open heart to be teachable. Um, and yeah, marriage is the best thing on this earth. And I'm grateful for almost 17 years with you. And I know that we both have made the commitment that no matter what comes our way, if we are at a point where we need help, we would, we would pursue that. We would seek it. Yeah. Because again, marriage is for life. Yep. And, and we recognize that marriage is bigger than us. Yeah. Marriage is a commitment that we made before God. And we need to honor that commitment, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what comes. Yeah. So thank you for this great podcast experience. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I know that you listen to me preach week in and week out. You listen to me teach Sunday school. You don't often, but, and there are a lot of times where afterwards you come and you, you come to me and you're like, well, here was a really good example you could have used, or here was something mm-hmm. that was a great point that you could have made. And I'm like, well, I just didn't think about that in the moment. So I thought, Hey, this is Valentine's Day week. Mm-hmm. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Thank you. I'm still Happy waiting Valent- for my card. I, I have it. I just have to write in it, but I know where it is. I actually know where it is. Uh, it cracks me up. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. And we thought, you know, there's other couples out there who are celebrating Valentine's some point this week. And this would be a great topic for any married couple to listen to. And also, if you're engaged try to think about how you could put these things into your relationship. If you're dating somebody, look for somebody who's interested in putting these kinds mm-hmm. of principles oh, into practice in your relationship because these are things that are fundamental no matter what culture you're in mm-hmm. or what age of life that you're in or whatever. So, all right, well, thank you so much, Meredith, for coming in and joining me today. This you're was welcome. a real blast. It was really fun to have you on. Oh, thanks. And to all you who are listening, God bless you. May your pursuit of godliness be glorifying to Christ.